back on. Season three is back. Hip Girls Podcast back in the building. This time we have a new theme. Season three. It's the mental health block party. If you're listening, you're invited. It's a black renaissance happening. Black people are taking back their health, they healing, they going to therapy, and they eating vegetables. And it's December 21st, so we also have our superpowers. No excuses. It's a good thing. So here we are, episode 19, to kick off the block party. My sister, Sarah, she did it. She dropped a masterpiece, which is an album. It's called Share Copper's Daughter. It's about trauma. It's about healing. And then it's about reclaiming your magic, right? I hope y'all enjoy it. You need it in your system. And I'm just honored that I had the privilege to interview her and meet her in real time. She's definitely a powerful being on this realm. And enjoy the gems that she dropped. Definitely about writing and the ritual of writing. So, holla. Mental health block party. We out. Enjoy. White people, I am not your Negro. Yeah, black people, y'all just got your hero. All these rap demons, I'm about to depot. Me and Asada, my ATL and alter ego. The Queen of Sheba and Musa Kita, producer heater. Salute your teacher, my newest seat is a future leader. A testament of my evolution to excellence. To be or not to be human, that's what the question is. I'm still the answer regardless. Rappers is moving targets. Acknowledge me as the smartest passenger moving forward. My little sister bars blast like Kalishnikov. Just because heavy bass dance like Barishnikov. The sound pierced like bullets and swords from a nation under attack like Bulletin boards and I'm repping the foundation to the fullest of course Today another life was lost and it could have been yours Whether in Colorado or Cali Park You but a mile apart from the sharpness of my remarks The black oligarch making weaponry out of art My supplier soul messiah told me we gotta talk I walk through the dark Now do I roll deep or do I hold heat Now am I laid back or a control freak Rocking the crown gilded in gold leaf I'm from a place where the people dream but don't sleep you are now tuned in to the classics This fine art leaders work to the masters Ain't met a man or woman yet cause it passes Cheers to the slaughter and rebel your hand and raise your glasses You are now tuned in to the classics This fine art leaders work to the masters Ain't met a man or woman yet cause it passes Cheers to the slaughter and rebel your hand and raise your glasses Look, I don't wanna keep this dialogue alive but they still don't know I'm out for blood, I'm not surprised I keep my fangs well hidden behind a model smize And this tyrannical grammar stay italicized by design I'm emphatically beast over every domain I severely pray in states of paralysis with my rabid eyes And me and thought together, portrait of your worst fears The doctors come to light when two leviathans are fraternizing My stock splinting from God's it's to mall sentences Till every mob within yards beyond penitence Squad minute for mean is demeanor and Lauren lyrics We both God in the tables and squat like salons Titular album home me up scripture embodied holy 16 so the fiend to redeem a picture of pious quoting my verses like i'm second coming that's just one way that i've been hurt described i'm old bottle across the tupac and the causes all eyes on me when i occupy space immersed in white because i'm lit like a seven day my third eye lit stay wide open like it's broken it's unsettling it's a high risk going up against my pedigree as black thoughts and rock the guy bits in his pedal way Grim Reaper. 
keeper, the gatekeeper, the late creeper, the street sweeper that think deeper, the complete speaker, the Svengali. Went from reefer in the alley to freaking with us, Somali on the beaches of Malawi. Now we the luminary, the heavy pituitary. Knew it very early on. I be the legendary, hot as the side of my vocabulary, contemporary, personally autographing every obituary for y'all. Black Renaissance. It's, it's, it feel good to like hear your voices like in this pandemic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, maintaining. <laughs> maintaining, you know, doing things to help to maintain balance and making sure that I'm active and making sure that I'm creative. You know, all that self-care stuff. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to Hip Girls Podcast. Um, my producer is filling in for Zoe. It was her baby boy's birthday. And um, this season, we kicking it off by basically celebrating music, celebrating food, celebrating health. Health is really important to me. And um, company. So this is like a block party, like a virtual block party. Um, and you are the first artist who music we want to celebrate because you're my personal favorite. And, <laughs> and I feel like I want to set the tone. I want to straight come out. I want to be transparent and set the tone about what this year is about for me personally. Um, and everybody in my cypher. And it's all about health. Build be health and evolution and growing. Um, so thanks Absolutely. for joining us. Thanks for joining um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate you um, always. Uh, yeah, I think that that is and should be, should continue to be the theme going forward for us as melanated people, you know, because oftentimes we're so used to shouldering everything. We forget about, you know, caring for ourselves and nurturing for ourselves and our health, you know, all aspects of our health. Um, so it's important that we, you know, continue to talk about it and, you know, share best practices and ways for us to keep ourselves sane and healthy and thriving and you know maintaining spaces of joy and spaces of peace around our loved ones and people who care about us 100 100 yeah true. um i mean and not to add that we are in a pandemic you know um so i feel like it's even more pressing that we talk about that you know um, but I want to talk about the album. I want I want to I want to talk about the album Shaq Rocker's Daughter. Um, congrats on that. It's a masterpiece. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, uh, yeah, that the album is. Whew, that took, <laughs> it took a lot, you know, because um, it is you know extremely personal. Um, it is based on somewhat on my father's history and how his history has shaped me and how it parallels with my upbringing. And it talks about generational trauma. It talks about um, the transference of some of those um, hurts and traumas and pains and behaviors that we pass down, um, you know, not knowing how it affects the next generation. And we don't deal with it. We don't, you know, we don't address it. We don't face it. And a lot of that stuff just gets um, transferred. Not only is it embedded in our DNA genetically, um, we also pass down, you know, perceptions of the world and we pass down possibly addictions and things of that nature. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about through this album and finding yourself and finding who you are um, especially if you have a life or history defined or shaped by a lot of trauma and hardship. And um, I wanted to talk about the importance of digging through that, excavating through 
some of those those demons and facing that and finding that treasure that exists there as well finding the beauty that exists there as well um and releasing that from yourself you know taking the jewels and releasing the burdens you know and i just want to really like um just like really from the bottom of my heart say thank you for that because like in an age of just like uh, clones, we like, I feel like we're in an age of clones. That really took like, some, some deep self-reflection uh, to release that type of body of work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like what made you pivot? Like what made you want to do something of that much gratitude? Because for me, it's like a badge. Like I want to heal. I'm healing my bloodline and everybody who, who hear these vibrations. Like what made you want to take it that route? Um, you know, I felt like there was a lot of, there, there is and was a lot of artifice in the rap game and hip hop. And, you know, a lot of people, um, just really embellishing on lives, glamorizing aspects of their lives, you know, and not talking about like the real, you know, what's real. You know, we hear a lot about, a lot of hip hop that talks about, you know, the drug game and, and with this, a new crap, crop of MCs, I'm not, I'm not gonna say their names, but you know, they're trying to revitalize this, this crack rap and drug rap and stuff. And I'm just like, let me talk about the other side of that. Let me talk about what it was like growing up and suffering um, in that environment, mm. you know, being the victim of that environment. And, you know, it was important for me as music is a huge part of my healing, a huge part of my catharsis. It's always been, for me, um, creative expression has always been a, a big part of that. Um, I wanted to just give people a tool to be able to start kind of like examining their own lives and really want, really asking the question, what am I holding on to? What am I covering up and how is it affecting my life? You know, we especially through like social media and which adds another layer of, you know, behavioral, you know, and mental health issues, you know, it adds that conflict for a lot of people you know, where we're searching for, we're looking at other people's lives and, you know, comparing it to our own and feeling inadequate because of that, you know, or feeling inadequate because we don't get paid as much or we don't, you know, we come from this background or we have these bruises or, or you know, this, this dark past or whatever, you know, and we hold on to that and we carry that and it manifests in so many different harmful ways. Um, so I wanted to create something that just like aired all that out in the open, you know, for my own personal growth and then for other people who may not have had the courage to do that or may not have even um, understood the urgency of doing mm-hmm. it, you know? That's deep. Yeah. So I got, a, I got a question for you um, because when you make projects like that, it takes a lot out of you. So what was the song that was the hardest to write? Because... I know that if I'm approaching an album, it's always one song I either wait the longest to write or it's a song that it takes the most reflection for me to write it. And right. it's usually the most painful part of my existence that I got to go into to get that that particular song out. So what was that song for you on this particular project? Um, There were two. I feel like, I feel like um, the Sharecropper's Daughter, the title track, and lay it down um, and lay it down because it was more directly personal to me um, probably was the hardest one to write. Um, mm. So I feel like I directly addressed some um, really like intimate um, sharing, you know, intimate aspects of my life about like my family's being affected by addiction and you know, my dad getting shot and, you know, this, this stuff like that, that, uh, I don't speak a lot about. Um, and it talks about like laying those burdens down, you know, in order to get free or in order to fly, you got to lay down the ish that weighs you down that Toni Morrison quote. 
Um, you know, that was the foundation for that. And that was me like, you know, in Christianity, how they say like landing at the altar or whatever, or, you know, in any spiritual faith when you're um, unleashing or releasing um, the quote unquote demons or those things that haunt you or those things that hurt you, continue to hurt you, like laying it all bare um, can be transformative, but it, it also can be extremely emotional. Um, so that song was that for me, where I could, in, in the middle of like recording it, my voice is like wavering and stuff, you know, cause it's, um, it's really kind of challenging for me to share. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Did you leave any of those takes that were harder in there? Like to leave the emotion in the song? Or um, did you have to go back and record it? I had to record it a, a few a times, but I think it's still there. I think, you know, I don't think I ever fully was completely composed or devoid of that, you know, feeling when I was recording that song. Gotcha. You got a bar. You had a bar, and I can't uh, recite it verbatim, but it was in the Sharecropper's Daughter featuring Legacy, where you talk about like a 12 year your old girl being raped, but she can't say nothing. Um, and then you said that's that must have been a time Nana lost her mind. It's something I can't recite it, but it's gave me chills. Um, yeah, it like literally gave me chills, and I was like, "Damn, she brave!" Like to to um to put that on wax. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. And and even that was me just reserving a bit of um, privacy for my family, you know, because it can get real deep, you know, it can get real, um, real, 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 real painful, real, real, real fast, you know, um, and those are stories that I grew up hearing about, like, my aunts and my, you know, my grandmother dealing with her own mental health struggles with everything that my father experienced growing up on a sharecropper farm in Virginia in Jim Crow era South and you know being on being in a hostile and racist environment and around people who were clans members and stuff and um having having you know older family members who were victims of sexual assault but you know who if it is if it's the white landowner that did it you know, you can't say anything. If you did say anything, harm, more harm could befall you, you know, or your family would be affected. And that's exactly what, you know, my family had to deal with. And um, it does take, it does take bravery because, and it does take some serious thought because it's like, some of this isn't my story to tell, but because it is um, familial history, it is a shared history. You know, I have, a bit of ownership to that. So it's like, how much do I divulge and how much do I hold back for the sake of, you know, people's privacy and you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting dance. Um, and then also, you know, for myself, like how holding a bit for myself, you know, mm -hmm. not sharing everything, but being open enough so people can know who I am, because in a sense, I'm presenting myself to the world with this album. I'm, I have, with this album, I had a much larger platform than I had previously had. So in sharing a, a comprehensive picture of who I am personally and professionally as an artist, you know, what are the details that shape and define me? And these, you know, that's what I poured into this album, into right. this work. Well, I mean, just to piggyback off what you're saying, you know, I've been in a social work field and a mental health field for over 10 years, and we have um, secondary trauma. So, and it's important, I have to see a therapist on a weekly basis because of what I'm seeing in the field. So it's important mm -hmm. for you to get that out or mm -hmm. it, it'll manifest itself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so I want to segue into talking about the practice of writing, because I know you quote, I mean, a lot of writers um, in your rhymes. What is that cathartic release, that, that spiritual practice? Talk, talk to us about that. Um, 
you know, it's just basically using writing and lyrics as an outlet for the things that I'm feeling. And it may not be directly tied to, you know, emotions, but just it's a purge in a sense, um, mm-hmm. especially when we hold on to, um, we hold on to so much, especially as women spiritually, you know, holding on to things can manifest in all kinds of uh, reproductive health issues and um, just a host of different diseases. Um, so it's all, it was always important for me to find an outlet for that. And what writing does is allow me to express those aspects of myself and performing as well, those aspects of myself that I didn't and even now don't feel super comfortable doing in just normal conversation with people or like, you know, I'm, I'm a thinker, so I hold on a lot in my mind. So I don't, I may not share, you know, mm-hmm. how I'm feeling about this or that thing, you know, on a daily basis. But when I'm writing, you know, that allows me to channel some of that. That allows me to channel some of that ancestral stuff that I'm, I'm you know, downloading. And, right. Um, and um, for me, like, also, like, I've always, you know, relied heavily on my 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 very logical side the lens with which I see the world it's very like practical and logical and that creativity allows me to tap into that other part of myself it allows me to like flow and you know tap into you know the universe and tap into that spiritual side of myself so like it's it's a it is a ritual you know when I'm writing I'm you know burning copal and you know, um, you're getting some sage going and, and setting the mood because it is ritual. Exactly. Me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about word power, the importance of word sound power. You know, it should be that handled with such gravity, you know, <laughs> in, yeah. in, in an ideal world. No, but that's serious because that's why so many people are backtracking when they get older and get deeper into their careers, they don't like their, their younger work because they didn't take that time to really assess what they were doing. Cause they didn't understand the magnitude of what their words would mean. Absolutely. So I think you, the fact that you take that time is, is very good to know because I feel like once you see trauma and you understand it, you do everything to try to prevent it. And I think as a writer and understanding, once you grab somebody's ear, everything you say, they'll do. No matter what it is, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be indifferent, but it's like the fact that you are their favorite artist, they will do everything that they can to mimic you and imitate you. Um, So it's good to know that you as an artist, you still take that pride in understanding how powerful your words are. Yeah. Yeah. And some of my most, my earliest influences um, in both like just literary writers, poets, and MCs, those are the ones that like dig deep. Those are the ones who um, really treat language as like magical, you know, in creating worlds and creating intention. And um, so like people like that, like, people like the Gil Scott Herons and people like the um, Black Thoughts for Me and, you know, like um, the Toni Morrisons and Octavia Butlers that really use language as a form of, um, again, magic, you know. Tail-binding. Yeah. And then when we add to that the importance of frequencies um, and like, in influencing, you know, health and behavior and vibration and all of that stuff. Um, it really just reminds you of how impactful music is and can be, you know, whether positive or negative, like you said. Yeah. So I want to ask you, uh, track six, Deliverance. Um, mm-hmm. who, who produced that? That production is crazy. That was produced by Evidence, and I always forget. This is terrible. I always forget the other guy, the other brother who, the brother who um, co-produced that with him. 
Um, but Evidence is my label mate on Rhyme Stairs. And let me get the guy's name. Thank you for that, though. Like, that was, that's one of my favorites as well. But you had a bar where you said they wasn't feeling that space shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I look when I look at your catalog, Ether Wars, Nebuchadnezzar, The Book of Light, Supernova, Starseed, Babylon, and then we got Sharecropper's Daughter. So mm-hmm. can, can you explain it? Why did you say they not feeling that space shit? Like, who, who are they? They is the industry. They is the industry. Because I go on to say, Total Miles on another, another level. They say they only invest in fauna and flora like pussy and flower petals. And so, <laughs> and that was just like, um, that was just talking about how the industry is not willing to invest in anything that requires any kind of deep thought. And I've been told that by quite a few people. Like, oh, you too, you're too deep or they're not going to understand or Maybe you should dumb it down or whatever. And when I decided to make an album that was more, that could resonate more with people, um, it was for my own personal journey because I love doing, I love writing about metaphysical stuff. I love writing about spiritual stuff. Like that's me, like that's, but that's just another facet of me. And I was like, there's so many, versions of the story that I want to tell um and for so many years I think that I was at that time I was like heavily into my whole sci-fi stuff I was heavily into you know my spiritual texts and you know reading the reading about Bimana Jets and all of these things and I still am but I was like I want to I want to tell a story that that someone who who's not ready to receive that can easily relate to, mm-hmm. you know, still with the same level of lyricism, still with the same, you know, same vocabulary I had before, same, all of that. But I want, I don't want to, I want to make a project that doesn't deter someone who really needs to hear this information from, you know, accepting it and receiving it. Um, so, and it was time for me to tell my story mm-hmm. directly. Yeah. Um, before I was, I was, I was speaking through um, my 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 uh, metaphysical self. You know, I was speaking through you know these different you know goddesses who I felt like I was channeling and stuff. And I was speaking about um, you know I was on some five D stuff. Like I felt like this was we were in the mundane but like we were so we are we are living this reality you know and our experience on this reality on this plane is is in many ways as important as as that experience you know three four levels up you know what i mean yeah so like you have to tell mm-hmm. like love craft um, con- this helps you later yeah like <laughs> <laughs> like you got to do it right now. It, I mean, for me, it's not for me. It's balance because, like, when I watch Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country, you know, now every I feel like you was just way ahead, and now everybody's trying to catch up. I mean, Elon Musk right. is one of Mars. I mean, this you you really can't separate right. the two. You can't separate the two. Right. Right. Um. Right. And we're living all these experiences simultaneously. You know, mm-hmm. we're all, we're so like to me. I just wanted to um, create something in the now on this on this plane um, and tell that story. And I might continue to tell that story for the next couple of albums, but I might be you know there. There's just so many aspects to me. Like I feel like people try to put you in a category for what you do, and I think about all of this stuff. I reflect on all this stuff. The same. I'm reflecting on George Floyd the same in the same way that I'm reflecting on, um, you know, my astral travel stuff and my uh, <clears throat> my meditations and you know crystals and all of that. You know what I mean? Like right. all of that is is part of me. Do you ever feel pressure to try to tell the story in a way that will get you 
easier access to the radio because you know that you can kind of genre bend. You can do whatever you want because you're that type of lyricist. Do you ever feel that pressure to just go body the trap lane just because you know that if you did, you can just have everybody rocking to whatever you rocking with at that point in time? I wouldn't say pressure. <laughs> I, I, I play around with stuff. I play around with stuff, even stuff that I'm not really like hype on, like super interested in, because just for my own, um, my own creative curiosity, like I'll do something that's a little bit more like trap inspired, because I do like some some of that, some elements of like the 808 sound and stuff. But I do we do it in our own way, but. Yeah. I think that once you start as an artist being having your output dictated by other people and industries and stuff like that's when the magic starts to fade. Like that's when it becomes a job and not, um, and not a passion, you know? Right. So I don't ever, I don't ever let myself, I mean, it's not even really an option. I think about, sure. If I did music like this, I would, you know, I would be, you know, 10 steps ahead, but it's not an option for me to conform to that now. Yeah. That makes sense. So I want to ask you this, Sarah, Um, because when I listen to all the things, your music, it has a constant theme of self, self-empowerment, transparency, ascension. Um, when did you know, like, that was your path? Like... From Asada Perkins from Chocolate City to Sarok, like I am Sarok, because I talk to a lot of girls and they struggle with that self identity. Like you know, I have to tell them to practice mantra work. Like you are this, you are this. Like when did you know that this is your lane and I'ma own it and I'ma stick to mastering this craft? Um, you know, I can't pinpoint the exact time. I think it was well into my career as an artist um, because, you know, I've always been a work in progress as we all are. Um, I've always had tools to help, you know, find um, the power within myself, the light within myself, the love within myself, but I haven't always been consistent. I've, I haven't always believed in that. You know, um, so it took me a while to become comfortable as an MC to to know that like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. um, and then I think and a lot of that was because you know I always felt like because I was into a lot of different kinds of music when I was growing up. I wasn't like just ahead like a lot of my peers were. Like they could recite albums back and forth and they've been rapping since they were seven eight years old and I didn't have that story you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I started relatively late and I started I stumbled upon you know it was kind of like I found my calling very um very like haphazardly you know um so I, I spent a lot of time like second guessing myself like wondering whether I was good enough or but it wasn't until probably Mm, I would say five years in where I started seeing the effects on myself um, and other people of what, you know, of the music that I was creating. Um, And I was like, whether you believe it or not, there's something tremendous happening here. And it's happening through you. It's happening through your pen. It's happening through your heart and what you're channeling through this music. and so at that point, I kind of knew that this was, this was where the universe was guiding me. Um, so, yeah, so I'll prob- probably say like maybe five, five years in. I think that make it even more powerful, like that you was the late bloomer because, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like you didn't give up. You wouldn't know. Yeah, you would not know. Right, <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm happy about that. Like when I look back on it, I was like, that's so funny. Like. I totally had this other path charted out for myself, you know, being in science and, you know, working in um, conservation biology and all this stuff. And I I really thought that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And I never thought that 
I would be doing something creative. Like I didn't, be, I didn't think that I was a creative person. Like I dabbled in stuff like that um, when I was younger, but I, you know, there were people who from childhood, they knew that I'm supposed to be a painter or I'm going to be a singer or a dancer or whatever. And I never felt that tug. Um, Wait a so minute. when I look, what? Oh man, it just, everything just came full circle. Like, like when I first heard you uh, exhibit she, all these metaphysical, that's the science. Cause you went to Howard and you studied mm -hmm. science, biology, right? Right, yeah. So that's that fascination. Like it's mm -hmm. in your music, sis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. I think it's, um, I think it's grandeur, the way that you mesh those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and I think that that's the fun, that's the fun of it. Like finding um, that clarity, once I found that clarity and then being like, oh, okay, like this is just another part of me. Like, yes, I, I never thought that there was, there's like, those worlds can, can blur, you know, there's a technicality to real and seeing and lyricism that exists that people would um, credit to the, to science and math. And then like, you know, putting supreme mathematics in my, my, my rhymes and, put, and talking about um, metaphysical and like real technically science and, and genetics and DNA and, and, you know, all of these things, like putting that in my, my verse, verses just kind of blurred the lines of what I was doing and what I was creating and helped to mesh like these parts of myself. So it's been a, a fun and um, transformative journey for me. Sure. That's dope. Well, we are uh, wrapping up like on our last minute. Um, I didn't. I, I did want to get to ask you about the features on the album. Uh, oh yeah. You know what I'm saying. So I am going to have to send you another link, and I'm going to uh, let them cut this off because I do want to talk about that uh, Black Thought Black Renaissance track. Hey. Um, Sorry, you cry. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so Darius, we were just talking about like how fascinating uh, that moment of clarity was when we realized why your music was so metaphysical. It's because uh, you studied it. So I'm like, I'm freaking out over her. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I just, I just went into like fan mode. Like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like because I told you like your artwork um the symbology of it is even powerful and um just to kind of hear you just lay it like that that was that was hard but um I want to <laughs> I, I want to talk about um the track that you had did with Black Thought um mm -hmm. It, so Messiah produced that? Yeah, he produced every song on the album except for Deliverance. Shout out to, um, shout out to Messiah. He produced that one. Yeah. <laughs> Been holding it down with me for since the beginning. Um, yeah, so he produced the track and immediately he heard Thought on it. And um, so Thought was the only person that I did the song, I wrote the song with in the studio. Everybody oh. else, you know, we, we did it remotely. Um, so we flew up to New York and we had a studio for two days. And the challenge was, I don't typically write with people in the studio when I'm doing so. I, I, you'll give me the beat and I write to it in my own little corner, in my own little, you know, private little closet or whatever, wherever I am at the moment. <laughs> And, um, and so there was the need to write with someone in the studio and that person being Black Thought. Like that just was <laughs> very, uh, I don't want to say scary, but we're going to keep it real on this podcast. I was like, oh. <laughs> A little intimidating. <laughs> it was definitely intimidating. <laughs> it was definitely intimidating. And that's big bro, but like still, it's Black Thought. So go to the studio and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a vet. He's unflappable. You know, he's coming 
off the the set of Jimmy Fallon coming through. Like he at this time he was like really writing a lot because he has a lot of stuff in the works. He's always doing some kind of project, and um, so you know I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm trying to write next to him. He's what two three feet away from me. And I'm just overthinking it. I'm like, oh my God, you know, can he see my paper? I'm trying to hide my paper. <laughs> like, you know how you be in school? Like, it's not good enough. <laughs> but, um, and he's just chill. Like he's talking, he's drinking and, you know, doing whatever, having conversations with Messiah. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. I need to be. So I go out in the hallway in the studios, all this like equipment and stuff stacked up in the studio. And I'm sitting in a chair outside of, in the middle of boxes and stuff and um writing and that took some of the pressure off because I'm like okay I'm not like under the gaze of, of this guy who I consider like the goat you know and um so I wrote some that day and he wrote a little and then the next day I had because we came in in the evening the next day I had some time to myself because they realized like okay let's get her let's give her some space or whatever and and the day before, like he was dropping little casual like tips and stuff, like yeah, you know, you know what I do, like is is you know, anytime I, I just think of bars, like every time I'm going through, if I'm in traffic or whatever, I think of like a line or whatever, and I write it on a little post-it or whatever, and come back to it. Like so, if I ever have to write a rhyme, like I have these little pieces of things that I can like string together. Right. And um, so I'm absorbing all of that, and then you know, still like just in awe at like the situation. So like I get some time by myself in the studio the next day and I like bang out this, this, my, my part of it, the first part. And, um, and he, they walk in as I'm recording and he's like looking like, oh, okay, damn, that's how you feel it. So then <laughs> already like I, that got my confidence up. So by the time we had to write the, the last part where we trading bars, like that was easy for me. Cause like we're writing and feeding off of each other's lines and, you know, he even laughed about the fact that we both wrote this one, like we both like referenced the Grim Reaper and we didn't even know like each other was going to write that and stuff. So it was just, it was a real, it was a learning experience for me um, for being, being able to write something under pressure in the presence of like who I consider like one of my, one of the master teachers in this thing. Um, and, you know, just, just that whole concept of like iron sharpening iron, being able to like, you as an MC, you got to be able to spar with anybody. It don't matter who that person is. You know right. what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if you you hold that person in high regard. When it comes to writing and getting on that track together, you out, you're out for blood. And then after y'all can eat vegan pizza together or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's it. <laughs> so that was That's that it. was such an interesting experience and one that I'll really I'll cherish, you know, forever. Because look, we writing we we're writing the Black Renaissance. Like the concept I have for the song was just for us to like really really elevate the lyricism because he does that on a regular basis I feel like I do that on a regular basis but calling it the black renaissance I'm thinking about all those writers and um all artists and creators during the time of the Harlem renaissance and they were creating you know art that was worthy of being esteemed by their colleagues but it wasn't given the recognition it wasn't given the the, the um accolades that it should have been given at the time but they were working to cement Black art within the canons of, you know, classic American literature at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and in and, and writing the song, I'm like, I need hip hop to be at that level. And, and, and thought is always like all about like elevating the culture and I am as well. You know, hip hop needs to be respected in the same way that, you know, classical music is. It needs to be spoken about in the same way that, you know, um, jazz is now being spoken about and like it's still I feel like um trivialized in many ways um in the song to and during that song writing that song I'm channeling Zora Neale Hurston and Langston Hughes and and you know uh Claude McKay and all these people who were writing during that time and and like furiously attempting to create art that stood the test of time are y'all gonna do a visual y'all gonna do a video for that I yeah we are. Man, that is amazing. Yeah, because it's like when you listen to a Darius, we recorded my audio book. He was in my kitchen and I played it for him. And he was like, who is this? And I was like, bro, you got to listen to bar for bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, the synergy, like y'all synergy is just like, 
like I could tell y'all, I, I can kind of tell y'all was like working side by side because or something because the synergy was just on point. It was fire. Um, mm -hmm. so like I can't wait to see the visual. Um, shout out. Yeah. Uh, so you got Styles P on there. Uh, right. Tell me how that came about. Um, that one, I wrote. I wrote that song, Rock Was America. I wrote that with, and I was done. But then I was like, you know, I, I feel like it needs something. It needs some, it needs another voice. And so I, um, I met Styles through, um, through Hip Hop is Green. And okay. so Hip Hop is Green, I don't know if you're familiar, it's an organization that promotes like plant-based eating um, in communities that are usually deprived of healthy grocery stores and a lot of information about like the effects of, of healthy eating um, uh, in, in black communities and stuff. And so once you use, it uses hip hop as a vehicle um, because it's so influential. And then also like so many of our great, you know, hip hop MCs have, have succumbed to preventative diseases directly correlated with health um, right. and eating. So anyway, Styles, you know, he's, he's primarily, he's a plant-based eater and he has all the juice bars and stuff and he's affiliated with Hip Hop is Green as, as well. So we were in Seattle doing a panel and a concert. Um, and I, as I was building with him and stuff, when we were talking, I was like, this is it. Like he's, he's the one that can add to this joint because, you know, all, like his, he talks about the street and like the realness of it. And that's what Rockwell's America was about. Like talking about like, experience growing up in the hood and like this other experience that we don't talk about when we talk about what America is you know they talk they try to sell this dream um when for many of us it was a nightmare or like there were you know just elements of it that you know it doesn't get the front pages you know so and so I feel like I feel like ghosts could like really convey that well um and convey like you know supporting one another through that and that sense of community through all of that um, so yeah, it came together dope, but he, we recorded everything separately. Um, so yeah, that's how that came about. And the last, I love Chronic Legacy, but the Saul Williams poem, um, why did you choose him to like intro, to like start it off, to kick it off? Two reasons. Um, I love Saul. <laughs> But his voice, like his voice, like just commands you to listen. Yeah. And I felt like he could bring that sense of death, depth and gravity that I needed for the, the intro. I needed to command um, the listener's attention. And I felt that he, um, he, was a good contrast to like how the energy started to um, when I came in and like how like there was kind of like a crescendo when I started like I rate I, like the energy started to increase. I needed someone who would be a good contrast for that. But um, yeah, it was it was mainly because I respect him so much as a poet, you know, as an artist as well. But like his voice is just so commanding. It's so the gravity. Just, it's like yes, gravity it's, of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I felt that he would be perfect. And I'm, we've worked together before. I did um, a remix for one of his projects, but I've always kept him like in my, you know, in my mind as someone I wanted to work with uh, again in the future. So we finally made it happen. So my last question about the album um, is like, is this somebody else on the vocals? I know Lettucey is on there and she killed it. Are you, you been hiding that you could like really, really blow? <laughs> I'm like listening I'm like this it feels good like my mama she used to be a singer I know good good vocals I'm like this feels good so somebody <laughs> talk to me <laughs> um you know I'm I'm the only other singer besides Lettucey uh on the album besides Chronics um but singing is something that I do but I don't consider myself a singer it's something that I can add to you know my songs um you know it's just it's just another skill that I have and I like to use it in the studio 
That's very interesting. I like to use because you're so modest. It's like when you're as an artist, it's just so like just front and center. But your personality is like so reserved and it's so interesting because you are you're extremely humble. Like it doesn't take long to know that you're humble, but it's like you just full of gifts and it's just hearing how you talk about them. It's it's just very interesting to hear how you um how you connect those dots. Because most most artists, especially hip hop artists, are immediately like, Yeah, I did that, I killed it. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna be like, Yeah, I sing sometimes <laughs> in the shower sometimes. Yeah, I like, like to sing in a studio. That you, you have that. Yeah, like no. what? If, you know, the fact, and it, that's real, though, because I know how Oz is. She ain't going to go, you know, compliment if it ain't good. That's what I know. <laughs> she definitely ain't going to do that. So that means that's, that's definitely a, a, a gift you probably should press into even more. I mean, I appreciate that. I, I, You know, again, it's all about just, for me, it's like the, the beauty of discovery. You know, I, I really like to just explore with, with this this music thing you know and and if i feel like something i, I feel like oh, i may need like some harmonies or vocals or whatever and and a lot of stuff happened out of necessity too like i don't really want or have money like early on like i don't really have money to pay people to sing on stuff or you know or i hear this and why not try it and you know if it doesn't you know what i'm saying like messiah always always encouraged me to like utilize like all, all aspects of you know my creativity and i'm still i'm still um learning you know i'm still becoming comfortable with using that like flexing other muscles or other skills and and you know creating music um but yeah i did do a lot more singing on this album than i've ever done um yeah and, it, and you know it's good. I like I like I like that. I mean I like being able to do both. You know, it gives me a, a bit of freedom. I think it was the Alicia Keys sample. That's, dope. That's the one um that I'm referring to. Where it kind of it it shot it took me back. This guy, she got pipes a little bit. Um, definitely just <laughs> <laughs> definitely want to tell you keep exploring that um you know what i'm saying so i want to wrap it up basically by telling my audience and our platform to support you uh in all ways possible i'm gonna wrap it up on this question appreciate that you had a bar yes. and you said a little recognition would be dope i think that was mm -hmm. a, that was a hand of god track five mm -hmm. what 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 how, why you feel that way Um, you know, the ego is a real thing. You know, I, I spent <laughs> several albums talking about, you know, just destroying the ego and all of that. But like, I think that it, it feels good to be acknowledged for the work that you do. And then especially as a woman in hip hop, um, I think more so for me, it's like seeing a lot of artists gain this success and popularity and knowing that they aren't on the level as, as you know they aren't on the level as you on the same level as you they don't have the same skill level as you they don't have mm -hmm. there's a lot of things they don't have but yet you know they're lifted up they're given the opportunities they're given the success and like there are moments when you look back as an artist who's like dedicated to creating real music and substantive music and all of that and you'd be like, my, I feel like my career path would, if I had gotten, you know, recognition a lot earlier, you know, I would have been a lot further. But, you know, then when you think about it, it's like everybody, your journey is your own. You know, yeah. the course of your path is, is for you and that person's path is for them. And there were obviously lessons I needed to learn. There was growth that needed to be had. There, every, like, the timing is certainly divine for how long it's taken me and like, you know, all of that I have, all that I've gone through in the course of my career. But um, yeah, like you do, you know, that ego kicks in and you be like, hold up, how, 
in the world, how this person get on this or how this person get this or, or nominated for this or whatever. And, um, and it's not even that, uh, it's not even feeling like the need to be validated, but it's this wanting there to be some acknowledgement of what you're doing, like the work that you're doing, because this work is not easy, you mm-hmm. know? It's not easy. Um, so it would be dope. I mean, this vegan living ain't, this ain't cheap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, um, but um, I think hip, it was Hip Hop BX. They said you had the, you, Benny, Buster, and you had the top three albums of 2020, right? I saw that. Yeah, they did. And I, I, I posted that. And, you know, slowly but surely, people are starting to um, find out about who I am and what I do. And um, so that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I, you know, only expect with the subsequent albums that I create that it will only grow. But it's good, you know. I think the, the thing that has helped sustain me was just focusing on the art, not focusing on all the outside, on all of that outside stuff or um, people's opinions and all that stuff, just focusing on creating. And I think I'm now at a point where um, people are starting to pay off. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Hey, hey that's the trick anyway, too, you know? What are you going to say? No, from a male perspective, um, you know, I just want to kind of get your input because because we have the, the female, the, the, the women MCs, and we got the goddess MCs. What do you think hip-hop beef is with, like, women who don't sell sex? Like, what do you... Because I personally think you, had she took another route, every, things would be different, you know? So from a male perspective and somebody who loves hip-hop, what do you think that's about? I'll tell you this. Like, me studying the executive side of music, it's harder to control an artist like you because I can't control your psyche. Because mm-hmm. you got to think about the beauty industry. If I tell you this is what's beautiful, this is what's hot. If you wear your, your shorts this high, you wear your, your hair this way, this makes you beautiful. That means at any moment when I say something different, I can change that. So right. the people who are individualistic, who come in and they feel like this is, this is me. This is who I am. I got a good grounding in myself. I don't have unhealthy habits and unhealthy expectations and need like you say, that validation, what that does is it means that I have to actually treat you as an equal. Right. I think that's the biggest issue when it comes to hip hop. People don't want to treat people like equals um, because it's all about manipulation. I mean, this is what it boils down to. I, I study the money side of it every day because it is a business and that's what it's all about. It's just like the same thing as, as pimps. They're trying to pimp somebody, no matter how pretty they make it, they do it to men and women, but specifically mm-hmm. with women, women feel like they like, this is my only end. If I don't go this route and, and show my body and make it where I'm over-sexualized or a lot of time, like the trick nowadays is to make women think, oh, if you take control of it, then we can't manipulate it. That's a lie too, because now you put yourself in a bad spot where it's going to be harder for you once you realize that, hey, I actually do want to be respected for my thoughts. I do want to be respected because I have some input and some influence. They're going to box you out. And that's the, the trick of the game. And it happens over and over. So I feel like what you said, as far as people now starting to see you, that is the, the way that I think more, more women in hip hop win is to just outwork the people who are not as right. good because right. we all know you only have a certain run if you don't have talent. Right. If the talent is not there, you got about two, three years for people to realize, be like, wait a minute, I think I got, I think I got played. They're not good. Right. And then there's someone, right. And there's going to be someone that pops up that's just like an iteration of them that that can just replace them. They're easily replaceable. I always tell people when I be on tour, when I'm on tour, and especially in Europe, where they have a love for like real hip hop, real music. Um, and not to say that all these other like styles and stuff don't have their place because there's always been like, you know, people who offer different things within the genre of hip hop. But I'm talking about like real 
intentional, substantive music, you know, they really like that. And so when I was on tour, I was seeing yeah. all of these different art, these artists who were 20 years in the game, 30, not 30, yeah, 30, 20, 30 years in the game, 15 years in the game, who were still touring on a regular basis in Europe, mm. who were still like they were feeding their families and doing well touring in Europe. And it just, it didn't dawn on me because I, I understand the longevity that real music can have. But it was just like striking that I'm like, look, like this is the example right here of like when you put real um, intentions in the music, when you're really focusing on creating something that stands the test of time that means something to people, you're going to stay working forever. Mm-hmm. You're going to stay working forever because like the music is, le- you're leaving legacy as opposed yeah. to these songs. Like people be like, I made this song in three minutes. Okay. And in th- three years, we're going to forget about it. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When people are on to something else. Yeah. So, and I mean, we all know America is fake anyway. Right. Like we just talked about, they're they're going to feed the people the illusion. So mm-hmm. I think the hardest part, what's what's difficult is that the pattern hasn't changed. They take the youngest people who have not found themselves and they force them to be in front of people and try to find themselves in front of people, which we right. all have been in our early 20s. We made really bad decisions and we don't right. stand by it everything that we believed in those times because we didn't know what we know now and i think that's the irresponsible part of it for you know the i I can't say anything the executives they're just trying to make money so it is what it is but it's like for artists you know i think if you really love the craft and you really want to be somebody who has longevity and you want to last in this and, and build something that's worth standing you should be able to find those patterns to know i should do something that's actually going to be able to be picked up by my kids. Um, I saw something where Cardi B says she wouldn't let her kids listen to her own music. Why would you make it then? Right. It doesn't make sense because if your kids can't listen to it, that means somebody else's kid is listening to it. Right. And you don't get to pick and choose to say, oh, I'm not a role model. Right. No, you are. Somebody's going to listen to you. Regardless, once you put it to, to, to the universe, somebody's going to pick it up and grab it. And I feel like you have to be responsible with it. So, um, I would say you, you're probably, and, and, and I think a, a good person that's winning right now is Dave Long, and it looked like he just wasn't going to win. And now he's winning because he's hey, just Darius, winning. You, your Your yeah. audio like cutting in and out. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I was saying like somebody who's like the prime example of winning right now is Dave Chappelle. He looked crazy. They tried to paint him as everything except for what he was, which is a genius. And it's like now people realize doing the morally correct thing and standing up for what you believe and sticking to your guns, it can pay off more than it ever could have in the beginning because you stayed the course. So I think for somebody like you, your catalog five, 10 years from now, you got to understand they studying in hip hop in Harvard now, right? Right. They will yeah. pick up your catalog and and they will you may not have got the mainstream in America, but you will be across the whole entire curriculum because you you approached it from such a different perspective and you did do it so intelligently. That's what would make people find it. And they may not find it today, but when they do find it, they'll never let it go. Because like you said, you were channeling the people who were literary, you know, savants, so to speak. Like it was the people who were writing for our generation a hundred years ago. That's what you're doing. So the fact that you're approaching it with that mindset, that means that your work can't die, which means that all these people, we already know, they got five years before they look crazy. That's just, that's just gravity. (laughs) Like their body's going to start to change. And then it's like, what's left? So all that's left in the end is the work. So I think you're going to be one of those people that win for that oh, very reason. Thank you for sharing it, D. I, yeah, yeah. Damn, bro. Very, very insightful. <laughs> and um, I'm going to take that affirmation. And uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it's really substance has longevity. 
for sure. Yeah. Substance yeah. has longevity. Sis, um, where could where where can everybody like buy the new album? Where can we find you? How can they cop merch? Plug plug. Well, well, you can get it (laughs) almost anywhere, so it's no excuse. So you can go to my website, um, sarock.com, s-a-r-o-c dot com. I'm on, and that's where you can cop merch. You can um get the album. You know, we got wax everything. I'm on every streaming platform imaginable. Um, okay. I'm on social media, Sarok the MC, S-A-R-O-C-T-H-E-M-C on Twitter and Instagram, and Sarok, S-A-R-O-C on Facebook. Um, yeah, or you can go to rhymesayers.com t- uh, to cop merch as well, whatever your preference. Uh, yeah, but just stay, stay in touch, stay in tune. We're working on something new already. So. <laughs> ah, I'm ex- I'm excited and hopefully uh after this pandemic, you know, we can people can see you in real time, you know. Yes, I'm I'm living for that moment. You know, I can't wait to get on stage again. For me, when I seen you, that was the real transformation. It's one thing to hear it in your ear, but like when you see it, I feel like the energy is really transformative um to see yeah. you live. So I do want to tell people to follow follow Sarah, keep up with her movement. Um, and I appreciate you for coming to the block party. And one last thing, uh, I told you health is very important to me. Uh, can you share something to our audience that you're doing that's keeping you um, afloat during this pandemic right now? Um, I'm doing several things. I've taken up running. So I jog probably three times a week and then I make sure that I'm just active. I'm doing my yoga. Um, that's really important for me to just keep my body moving in whatever way possible. Um, and then making sure to have those spaces of reflection because we're all in the house anyway. Why not use that time to really go inward and reflect? So I meditate on a regular basis. Um, and I just make sure that I'm eating because it's so easy to just get all in the junk food. And I do, I have my moments where I do that there, but dietary um, must for myself. Like I have to have fresh fruit every day. I have to have, yeah. you know, a certain amount of fresh vegetables every day, like raw vegetables every day. So I like make sure that I have these goal. I set these goals for myself because, you know, our schedules and everything are so thrown off. It's important for have to, for us to have um, a certain amount, a certain regimen. Right. Um, so that's important for me, keeping my body moving through yoga and running, meditating, and like having these um, dietary um, dietary goals for myself. But thank you for joining us. Enjoy your Sunday. And um, I can't wait to get this to the people. Be blessed. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate the conversation and the opportunity. Thank you. Peace. All right. Peace.